0: welcome to yet another edition of the tom green podcast the lions are 0-8 and frankly i had a good time not getting to talk about them for a week because we knew that they were not going to lose once again but the second half of the season begins and with the second half of the season comes nine opportunities for the lions to get that first victory in coach dan campbell's regime with that said We bring in the Men of Steel podcast, or should we say, the Man of Steel, Charles Ritchie. He isn't necessarily part of the Steel Curtain, but I'm sure he wishes he could be. How's it going, Charles?
1: Good. uh, Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know about Man of Steel just yet, though. I mean, I'll have to watch out with that before, bro. But other than that, uh, I'm feeling pretty confident right now. Uh, Once again, uh, Steelers right now, they find themselves in control of their own destiny as we uh, speak after having... uh, a uh, whimsical well, of a start right now, more particularly with the run block and the offensive line, which you've seen all season. But uh, here they are right now, second place in the AFC, the sixth seed in the wild card right now. And plus a key game going on tonight, which is at halftime, all more Ravens in Miami versus the Dolphins right now. Uh, the Ravens uh, happen to lose that game tonight. and The Steelers get a win uh, once again, uh, hopefully versus the Lions, which I have confidence they will. Uh, they could find themselves in first place in the AFC North uh, based on uh, their record in the AFC North division. Ravens have only lost one time, uh, battling one point, which is when they hosted the Bengals back two, three weeks ago. And I believe that was during the Steelers' bye right there. They lost uh, that one in convincing fashion to uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals right there. So, how about that right now? Uh, I, I know it's about a wacky start, but. Doing so we will expect right now, and congratulations to Mike Tomlin. Passing Bill Cowher on uh, regular season wins with 150, he is now four more shy to pass him in career wins when you close regular season playoffs. And when the surprising thing is, too, yes. it's the same number of yes. wins he needs this year, to avoid a non-losing season with nine wins. And if he does that this year, they'll pull him past Bill Cowher in career wins total. So that's how we're doing tonight.
0: absolutely he's doing great and you never know the Steelers could be in front of the AFC North once this once we are done not necessarily done with this podcast but when the podcast has run its course and the Lions and Steelers finish so after that Steelers talk my Lions are 0-8 my Lions laid two eggs at Ford Field one against Cincinnati the other against Philly before the bye week and
1: you know what not, not to cut you off, too, sure. but sad thing about it is, too, this has been, last time I checked, this was still under the last uh, previous regime, under Matt Patricia, dating back to Thanksgiving of last year, those losing streaks began. So it's not only an eight-game losing streak. I believe it's about those games they lost uh, down the stretch. So I think it's a 12-game uh, losing streak, if I'm not mistaking, uh, going into this year right now. Yeah, it's 12 games, and that was the Houston Texans last year.
0: Yeah, it's been very rough at Ford Field and even on the road. It's, it just hasn't been pretty for the Detroit Lions. It's very, it's, it's two thousand eight esque. It's just, it, it's hard to explain and it's hard to fathom. But again, the Detroit Lions find themselves on a long losing streak. So, as a Steelers fan, how could perhaps you see? the Lions ending that losing streak? Hopefully not, of course, in your mind, hopefully not against your Steelers, but what should the Lions do to end this losing streak?
1: Well, I think you got to put the pressure right now and shine down the run game of the Steelers right now because last time you checked right now, I mean, Najee Harris, uh, he's been doing a good job right now uh, leading all rookie running backs uh, going into this uh, game right now uh, with 541 yards, which is 10th amongst all current running backs of 150 carries is averaging 67 yards per game, uh, nearly, uh, well over three and a half yards, uh, per yards per attempt. And, uh, he's also right now second in uh scrimmage yards in his rookie class behind, uh, Bengals wide receiver, Jamar, uh, chase, uh, right now, he has 289 reception yards for 830 total. So if anything, if I'm the lines right now, you gotta find a way to like, uh, you know, like, p- overwhelmed the offensive line. The offensive lines kind of played, uh, took a little bit of a step back uh, this past week versus the Bears. I mean, I think they did okay. Probably give them a C-minus, but when, when you look at the Detroit Lions and, like, uh, what their weapons they got right there, you, you look at, like, uh, probably, like, the two-head attack right there, uh, who they got, and I saw a game uh, not too long ago when they were playing L.A. versus the Rams, which they almost uh, stole... Uh, but thanks to a few costly turnovers late in the game, uh, one of them which by Jalen Ramsey, former uh, Jaguar right there, who kind of like uh, did the Lions fade in that day. You look at guys like Jamal uh, Williams and DeAndre Swift right there, I especially like a guy like Jamal Williams who can run late in games right now. He's their leading uh, back right now. And you got DeAndre Swift uh, not too far off behind them. So he, Williams got 312 yards uh, followed by 289 yards with swift but the difference between those two is like the scrimmage yards right there where it flips uh deandre swift is more the all-around player he leads his team with 704 yards uh five uh touchdowns uh right there so i I think if anything if your line's right there it's 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 way in the ball of live scrimmage more importantly uh because we know uh jared goff right now he i mean he has not been uh nearly the same quarterback like it was that lost an Super ball. I mean, to be honest, I never really followed him as a top tier quarterback at that point, but he was definitely exciting. I think he did enough to be uh, managing and okay. I think he had more of a better situation with Sean McVay, no disrespect uh, right there. I mean, Sean McVay, I think, was just more of a creative coach right there. And you look at the Lions situation right there too. I mean, I mean, you got like a, Holmes, right now, is like uh, your executive vice president, uh, GM, right, right there. I mean, he's coming over. So I I, I really believe it's it's got be stuff in the run on defense for the Lions and then be able to troll the game on the ground. I think that's got to be key right there, uh, and which could lead to time possession.
0: Absolutely. I'll tell you, you made one error, and that error was the, that you had. You had thought that Detroit actually had weapons because, in my mind, they lack that. <laughs> Especially in the yeah, wide receiving core. But at the same time, too, you know what you
1: always hear the saying by uh, Mike Tom "Smile in the face of adversity." Trust me, I know football is a totally different game where it was like 15, 20 years ago, where we're used to seeing guys like you and I uh, defense. When you have like a, an established lead, you really see defense start to shut down. It is definitely more the offense is going on a whole new level right there. Uh, yeah, officials, I mean, like uh, making headlines in the game, which I'm sure we'll get into that shortly oh,
0: absolutely. a yes. little bit later on.
1: But, I mean, still, I mean, it's like you better darn believe. Uh, that's why think of the Oliba Goody 60 minutes is true to its finest form right there. 14-3 uh, lead uh, versus the uh, Bears at halftime. And you look at the Steelers right now. I mean, so far what they've been able to do. Uh, whenever they had halftime's leads, and this was especially in the midst of their uh, four game winning streak, three of those games versus the Broncos, Seahawks, and Chicago Bears, uh, they led at halftime uh, for a combined uh, total, 45 to nine, which was like about a 36 point lead. In those games, uh, when it came to the second half, uh, they had been outscored 34 to 57 for minus 23 right there. So, again, granted, I think this is a doable game. I mean, I could probably compare it to, like, last year when they played the Jaguars in Jacksonville. I mean, last year where they won that game 27-3. I'm not saying by means it's going to be that. But I think if you're the Steelers right now, you're Mike Tomlin, you're going to this game more than likely without uh, Chase Claypool's got an injured a uh, toe injury right there, which would be very serious. Uh, seems like it would be uh, week to week as opposed to season, season ending according to Ian Rapport, but uh, we shall wait and see uh, about that. So I mean, I imagine we're going to use a lot more uh, tight ends going into this game to do the help blocking, uh, start getting fire move from Gentry going. Uh, you might see Ebron get in there. I mean, who's been struggling with some drops right there. So I really believe right there because, like I said, if you could find a way to like uh, put this game on Ben Roethlisberger, force him to put the ball in his hands, I I really believe that you you could stay in it right there, and know it's possibly. Win it because, like I said, I seen that game versus the Rams right there, and what they did late, running the ball, they got the Rams defense winded right there, and just it just came to down to at the end of the day they couldn't close the deal, thanks to some crucial turnovers uh, by golf right there. So I, I think that's the only question you got to get into right now when you look at a guy like Dan Campbell, great guy, great character. He says he wants to identify with the city of Detroit, their attitude right there. But at the same time, too, you also got to be a little bit concerned if you're a Lions fan seeing this frustration happen right now. I mean, and trying to not to have another winless season. I'm not saying it's going that route, but there's got to be a question in place. It's a difference where you got a we between motivating your players, and actually like make some counteractive uh, strategies to really control the flow of the game and set the tempo. I think that's where the concerns lying at right now is he's. Uh, as a head coach, because last thing he wants to be lay was, as a the first, I mean one of the rare people who's experienced a winless season as a player and a head coach. That's the only thing right now.
0: Yeah, and who knows as far as as that goes with our Detroit Lions, but as long as they're as long as they're on the field, they have a chance, and it just got to avoid yeah. those costly turnovers. As I said on the show before, turnovers are great at Arby's, but not on the field. So let's talk about this um, about this taunting call, and uh, you have actually have some audio for us, and we're going to listen to actually the taunting call here in just a second. But as a Steelers fan, take me through that.
1: Uh, I will say this. I mean, going into that uh, game right there. I mean, listen. Uh... You can look at that play right there, and a lot of people definitely are frustrated in the way it's ruining the game right there. You had Mike Tomlin who said at the end of the game too, aside from the official, uh that they're trying to like uh track all audiences right there, especially for a younger generation right now. And the referees, uh, according to Tony Correnti, he has been told by you know the officiating crew that they're gonna be making uh taunting and unsportsmanlike conduct a point of emphasis. So you may agree or disagree with the call emphatically, but at the same time, if it's by the letter of the law, I, I believe at the end of the day he got it right. The only question I have, which looks very suspicious, he warranted it when he per when he uh coincidentally, when Marsh was going back towards his bench after staring down the Steelers for a little bit, after taking a couple of steps, once he's going back towards the middle of the field, he bumps into uh, Tony Correnti, who turns right into him. So when he bumps into Cassius Marsh right there, that's his reason. I mean, it appears right there on screen that warranted the flag. If it was in conduct, like context, my only issue I take with it, it should have been called uh, when he took a few steps, started mouthing off, the flag should have been thrown. Not when he bumped into a player. That's the only issue I take with that so uh if you want I play the clip if you're ready absolutely let's hear it all right
0: roethlisberger somehow gets out of there and now he's taken down cassius marsh just elevated today for tonight's game that'll go as the third sack for chicago Gonna get off the field, it's fourth down. Chicago just plays two man. Just watch how they lock up across the board. Everybody playing great man coverage, Safeties over the top. This is a coverage sack.
1: Just watch how they lock up across the board. There's nowhere for Ben to go with this football. Nowhere.
0: At the conclusion of the play, taunting defense number 59. 15-yard penalty will create a first down. Oh, that's Marsh. Unbelievable.
1: And uh, that was a play right there you just heard, uh, courtesy of Monday Night Football with uh, Steve uh, Levy, uh, uh, Louis Riddick, and then, of course, uh, Brian Greasy right there, the threesome right there of today's Monday Night Football. That was a call right there. And like I said, I I, I just I take issue you decide to throw the flag when you bump into the player right there. I mean, Tony Correnti, I mean, he seems like he's kind of had a little bit of a suspicious history, as of late, when you look at this guy right here. But like I said, uh, I did not like the way that had to be the controversy of the game, but when you're in media, unfortunately, you're going to have some negatives to focus on, stuff to sort of draw attention uh, for the wrong reasons. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, listen, I mean, technically, he did call it, it is the right call. I have a problem with the timing. It should have been thrown when he was going towards the sideline. Pausing and like p- mouthing off just a little bit. That's when the flag should have been thrown, not when you bump into the guy.
0: That was just ridiculous. Exactly, and it certainly looked like that. Correnti warranted it. Correnti's Correnti's officiating crew has had a history of being a an officiating crew that has had a more um, that has called a lot more penalties than most. So it really shouldn't surprise a lot of people that that call was made. But we both do have issue with. Uh, Correnti bumping Marsh, and then throwing the flag. It's like, okay, yeah, fine. If you want to throw it when Marsh was staring down the Pittsburgh bench, fine. But not when you bump into the guy. I mean, are you you're penalizing the guy for you bumping into him? makes makes no sense to me. But nonetheless, a taunting penalty that, in to, with a, with its consequence, perhaps ends up costing Chicago a victory over Pittsburgh.
1: And not only that too, the senior vice president of the fishing, uh, Perry Fuel right there, uh he actually supported Parenti in that uh decision right there. And here's a quote right here, according to NFL.com, and ESPN as well, I'm sure you'll find. Uh, he goes on quote saying in Chicago versus Pittsburgh, Bears number fifty-nine, of course, uh, Cassius smarts in that play as well as for taunting. Uh, as you explain in a video that was posted to Twitter, he took he takes several steps towards the Pittsburgh bench posturing toward their sideline. Taunting is a point of emphasis to promote sportsmanship and respect for opponents. This is recommended by the competition committee and coaches. So And uh, that, uh, that's that.
0: Yeah. So definitely taunting has been a point of emphasis, but there's a point where if the, if the ref somehow warrants it and not, and I'm not necessarily saying Correnti warranted the flag, but um yeah, we we basically talked about it, and that and that is, you know, if you if you want to throw the flag, when he's when he's staring at the bench, fine, but don't throw it when you bump into him. It just makes. Let, it last sense. thing I want
1: this to lead into too, and because we got uh, replay challenges and stuff right now, and I was listening to like an art podcast when I was going home. Uh, you check them out on YouTube right there. They're called Steel Twins right there. Uh, they do their own uh, coverage of Pittsburgh Steelers right there, uh, their own independent podcast, doing a great job, by the way. But uh, they were mentioning, too, I mean, it's like, you know, at this point, I mean, if we're going to be, like, reviewing stuff, you may as well start reviewing, like, significant stuff in that uh, those moments right there. I mean, take a look at that because I know a couple years ago, I don't want to go through it again, but Revealable pass interference, uh, which was totally a waste of time, only lasted one season, thank God. But I think in a case like this, you do have to kind of like take a little bit of a closer look. And uh, I, I got to imagine when the FO's owners' meetings, I mean, comes up around like, when is it? Like, end of February, or March of uh, this spring right here. I got to believe this has got to be something they're going to like uh, relook at on the table right here. Uh, something they're going to want to like, uh, are you sure? I mean, like, vote. I mean, like, yeah, I get you're trying to set. Up Sell to a younger audience, but you also got to understand at the game at the end of the day too. This is still a war of nutrition right here at the end of the day. It's just I, I don't know. It, it's it's like uh, trying to like uh, put hand sanitizer on the construction worker's hands and then expect him to keep working with keeping his hands close to clean as possible when he's interacting with others. It, it's, it, it's 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 going to be uh, very patient to have work consistently.
0: Absolutely, and I definitely see that meeting happening, and they're going to have to talk about it because, uh, yeah, when you had said about it pass inter- the pass interference rule, that was really just a band aid on the missed call that we all saw when Nikel Roby Coleman got away with, in my opinion, murder on Tommy Lee Lewis. <laughs> what,
1: what they should do, what they should do, I know people are going to probably laugh at me for saying this, and I'm not picking fun at anybody, but I'm being dead serious on this. Put some of the damn games on Nickelodeon like they did in the playoffs with the playoff game versus the Bears and Saints. I mean, if you want to be talking about educating to a a younger audience, I'm all for playing something for younger kids who are watching this, Have fun with it. I thought Nate Burleson did an awesome job right there. I know it got poked a lot of fun, especially by uh, uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo on uh, Sirius uh, XM Radio uh, from uh, Mike and the Mad Dog uh, back in the day. We used to be a tandem. But still, I mean, seriously. I I I don't mind what Mike Thomas says. You're trying to like teach lessons, people are watching it. but put something like that on our channel for kids to watch. Because you know what? You could still make this game educational. And you know, unfortunately, you're gonna see some you're gonna see some action, some by language that's not to be deemed appropriate for younger kids who are preteen or t- early teenage years. Why not? Put on here. You could have someone like, you know, educate the game as you're going along, explain some of these. Pellys real quickly, I'd rather them do that, though, if you are going to be going this route, my my personal opinion. I would have no problem with that. I don't know how you feel about that.
0: Yeah, and I I didn't get a chance to actually watch the Nickelodeon game between the Bears and Saints last year, but I listened to it on the radio, and, you know, I thought it was a good idea, because not only are uh, young adults like yours truly and you uh, get to – All get races, to...
1: genders, too, who are in this – all, all types. I mean, what this game attracts. I'm just saying, if we're gonna go that route. Let's put it on those platforms too.
0: Yeah, and who who doesn't like seeing slime in the end zone?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, like no. I said, we're
1: gonna be watching the games like ear like off our phones or at home or at a bar or at some houses with some friends. For the young ones, I, I would not. I would have no problem have some games on a platform like that. Seriously.
0: Yeah, teach them the game young and have a lot of fun with it because, really, in the in retrospect, that's what life is supposed to be: have a lot of fun and now in now what of that, more
1: money in business for the NFL at the end of the day. How how, how much more you want to continue to feed your pocketbook so do so and be beneficial, cater the more audiences that way. That's Ab- good for business, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like I said. Life is supposed to be a is supposed to be a lot of fun with what you do. In fact, with my new gig at the Huron Daily Tribune, I'm having a lot of fun with that and making the best out of it. With the NFL, you have to make the best out of what you can, and uh, there's another way of doing it as Nickelodeon, teaching the younger kids, um, young adults can kind of relive their childhood a little bit with slime in the end zone and all that good stuff. And um, yeah, it's it's a good idea. Absolutely, I support that. So, uh, with that, why don't we move to go ahead and move the keys to the game. Uh, how do the Steelers go into Heinz Field and beat the Detroit Lions on Sunday?
1: I think uh, when you go, like, a beat, like I mentioned one of the keys earlier, too. I mean, like, uh, you got to win with your offensive line right there. Cause you got to believe the Detroit Lions right now. I mean, they're coming in desperate right now, trying to gain some confidence right now. Dan Campbell's looking for his first win. I mean, it may not be this week, but I mean, I got to manage this is a of time. I mean, I'm sure these players love fighting for him uh, while playing under his time right now. So uh, I really believe right now, I mean, outside of the run game, you have to utilize a little bit more tight end sets right there. I, I think you want to definitely involve, like, a, you better believe, too. I mean, the lines right there. I'm sure you're going to want to try and not only take away the run game, but also the tight end game right I'm sure pay paying attention to what Fire move has been doing as of late right now, uh, drafted as a rookie, I mean, him and Zach Gentry. So I imagine, I mean, if you're going to put the game in Rossberg's hands, I mean, like, you know, James Washington, I think, would be an art key right now. I mean, you talk about a guy who was, who earlier uh, this preseason, right around the Hall of Fame game, after the Hall of Fame game, there's reports that he wanted out. He wanted to be traded right there. He was frustrated with his uh, usage. He's at the end of his uh, rookie deal right now, drafted in 2018. And you know what? I believe Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin gotta be looking smart right now. I mean, talking in the sting or those reports, we're not sure or not. But I mean, this is the reason why you have You got a guy like Chase Claypool, who's not to be available uh, pretty much for this Sunday. So, I mean, I, I'm sure... When it comes to Ben Roethlisberger passing, how many times you see him keep doing these quick slants or throwing to Deontay Johnson, if not Chase Claypool? I'm sure they're gonna to want to key on him, so that's why I would look for guys like James Washington to step in there, and then like uh, see if the tight ends keep uh, their momentum going. So I've got to believe that's gonna be art key right there, and I, also too, I mean they gotta start forcing some more turnovers, and they only got I think like what like two three picks for the year. That's gotta go That's up right like now that. in a hurry. Uh that is gonna be another thing right there, which I'm not particularly like uh, really enthused about because three years ago that cost them the playoffs right there. I think they had like what like seven uh interceptions that year. So I mean, so right. right there, I, I like I said, it's gonna be the run game. Uh put put uh then I would say on defense. Try, by the way, of and turtles, They got three total for the year, eight total takeaways, uh, five of which been fun. So, I mean, you, you got to, like, uh, take, take away the Lions run game, too, and put it on uh, Jared Goff right there. So that, that'd be key number two. Run defense uh, for the Steelers. And then, like, uh, see if they could, like, uh a little uh, slick with their uh, tight end involvement.
0: Absolutely. So my keys in the Steelers <laughs> beating Detroit is, as you had said, one, win the turnover game. As just about any podcast I've done is if you win the turnover game, more than a solid chance you're, that you're going to win the game. Uh, two, utilize Friermuth. I mean, Friermuth has done well, so has Najee Harris, as we have seen. And then, of course, without Claypool, you're going to have to rely on Deontay Johnson more. Not that that's been a bad thing, but James Washington is going to be getting a lot more into the game for your Pittsburgh Steelers. And as far as defense goes, Goff has been proven to make a lot of mistakes so far this year. You have to capitalize on it and get turnovers when you can because Goff has made some decent throws so far, but he's also made bad mistakes, and you got to capitalize on those bad mistakes. So win the turnover game, Defense capitalized on golf mistakes. Utilized uh Washington, Johnson, and Najee Harris.
1: Yeah, you also got to believe in our key matchup that's going to be in this game, too. I mean, I'll probably also look at it right now. When I look at this game uh, more and more, we get a little bit uh, closer to this. I think one of the key matchups right here, I mean, on this, too. I mean, the offensive line versus defense line. Look at Charles Harris right now, who leads lines Lions in sacks. That's gonna be uh my uh third key for this game, protecting Ben Rossberg too. I mean, the sacks have kind of ballooned up a little bit. They're seven tier for 18th, uh, most sacks in the league. But I think the matchup in this is gonna be either uh Kevin Dotser or Trey Turner versus Charles uh Harris right there. Can they do the job right there of protecting Ben Rosburg? Because uh, you know, Ben Rosper's still gotta be careful. I mean, he I mean, he's got like that big, tough guy, lumberjack uh pain right there. I mean, going into this game right here, too, I mean, let's not forget, I mean, he's been doing, dealing with a pec and shoulder injury, I think since like the uh, Raiders or uh, Bengals game, I believe he said. So you want to keep him fresh as possible, keep him on his feet. I think if if, if they do not get the Ben Rosberger, that could be a troubling sign for the Lions right there, let him get comfortable in the pocket take his time, and then, like, you know, find, like, his rhythm right there. I, I think you have to pass Russ by Roethlisberger. You have to get after him.
0: Absolutely, and if you can get to Ben Roethlisberger, good things could happen if you're the opposing team, of course. So, what are, what are the keys to the Lions beating the Steelers?
1: Well, uh, another one, too. I, I think, uh, I mean, last but not least, I probably have to say coaching. i probably be the last key right there. I think where it's going to really come down to right now. Listen, this is, uh, right now, Dan Campbell's first year, and we all heard the press conference uh, before coming into this year, we're going like, to some kneecaps for the here. Well, I, I tell you what, in those crucial moments right there, I mean, as you look at last week, as uh, ridiculous as that call was with the time right there, you got to believe right now, Dan Campbell right now, I mean, who people are waiting to see if he can get his first win or get something going with this Lions team. How does he keep this team disciplined right now? I think that's going to be a, a key for the obvious reasons. Keep this team focused. Make sure you're communicating effectively right there. Uh, not being penalized right there. So I would definitely say like uh, all these right there. I mean, when you look at, I mean, as far as like on the defensive side, uh, going into this game right now, I mean, they're doing a pretty good job right now. I mean, they're 30, 31st with penalties at 42. But then you also look on the uh, offensive side, too, where, where that goes. they are uh, 25th lines right there. So playing some discipline football, I think that would be, like, the last most obvious key, I mean, for the lines. You want to prove something. You want to, like, uh, be a head coach in this league. You want to give your uh, state some confidence as you get uh, closer to uh, Thanksgiving, your traditional game. Play some discipline football.
0: Absolutely. Disciplined football will will equal winning football with the right plays and whatnot. So that's, that's definitely going to be the first key is play disciplined. And two is they're going to play like there's nothing to lose because, well... There is nothing to lose at this point. You're 0-8. You're not going to win nine consecutive games unless something just absolutely crazy happens in the NFL. Like, let's say the Lions would have gotten Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe they would have gotten. They would have had a chance to win nine consecutive games. So that's not going to happen. So play, play disciplined. Play like there's nothing to lose. Limit the mistakes, Goff, because those mistakes co- gave you costly turnovers. That cost you that Rams game at which I attended, uh, believe it or not. Uh, so and, and then, of course, win the turnover game. Whoever wins the turnover game has a more than good, solid chance at winning the game. So there's not a lot of keys I have to the Lions, but that's because, hey, their best weapon right now on the passing game is TJ Hawkinson. Yes, DeAndre Swift catches passes from Goff, but in this NFL, those screen passes are more like run plays. So the running game's all right, but... I mean, that offensive line has gotten injured. And, of course, they don't have much talent for wide receivers. So, everything's new, too. That's the thing about this new regime is that everything, coach, front office, coordinator, all new. They've had experience, yes, with the Rams, but it's all new in this territory. So, who wins Sunday?
1: I'm going to probably go with the Steelers right now. I, I think they're going to win this game uh 27 uh 17 around there i'm looking at the odd shark right now they got the over under it looks like uh about uh right now like uh 44 uh points i want to say i'll probably keep it just a bit lower right now i i believe the steelers right now they want to go out there what they want to prove point you know what I'll, I'll take that step back i'll give it like uh say like a 20 like 13 score i think they'll. i mean the i think the steelers will probably start off a little bit Good, they'll probably build like a ten nothing lead. They'll probably get like a close, like maybe like 10, 75 or even tied in this game, and they'll find a way to settle down uh late in the game right there. Like I said, their only their only concern is right now is we just as I just mentioned earlier too, with this team right now, with everything that's been uh, happening right now, is their uh halftime leads right now. And uh like I said, lately they're three and zero, but still being outscored by minus 23 points in those three games versus the Broncos, Seahawks, and Bears, you want to find ways to keep that under control when you got a sizable lead. And uh, it's no secret when you have a two-touchdown lead that they're undefeated with only two ties, but I think with, uh, what, 214, 215 victories all time in their franchise history. So, yes, I mean, you are given up a couple of leads, but they still managed to find a way to get that back and close out in the crucial list of moments in the entire
0: six-minute game. Absolutely. So you got your data from Odd Shark. I'm getting my data from uh, ESPN here. The Steelers are right now an eight-point favorite as we speak. They are mm-hmm. minus 380 on the money line, a money line that I would not touch with a 10-foot pole unless I was I was putting into a parlay. Uh, the Lions are plus 300. The over-under right now is 42.5, what I have. And as far as I go, the Steelers, I think the Steelers are going to win and the Steelers are going to cover. Give me uh, 27 to 17. So I do have the over hitting if it's 42.5. If it's 44, like I believe you said it would be a push. So the, the key that we're both saying uh, indirectly is watch the number because if it's 44, you may or may not want to go the under. If it's, 42, if it's 42 and a half or less, you may want to go to the over. So what we're both indirectly saying is watch the number if you're going to bet the over-under in this game.
1: <laughs> I got one thing I wanted to ask you real quickly. Yeah. Uh, uh, outside of like Lions football here in Detroit, but Detroit Red Wings right now, a long time coming right now, I mean, uh, right now it's been like their ninth season since uh, moving back to the Eastern Conference right now in the NHL. What do you think of them uh, right now with their start with uh, seven wins, six losses right now? What do you think about the Red Wings starting to get uh, turn in the right direction? Well, what's your thoughts right there in the city of Detroit, the Morris City?
0: Yeah, as far as the Red Wings go, I was disappointed that Iserman decided to keep Blasio, but so far it has worked out all right, and so far they have they've proven that they can compete. They're a 7-6-2 and two hockey club, which that's good enough for 16 points right now in the NHL, which seven, eight, 15 games in, I mean, you're towards the middle of the pack, so... They're definitely a team that is on the rise, a team that will not win immediately or maybe even next year, a team that may need a coaching change in a year or two, but a team that you definitely want to watch out for and that could be a sleeper come the NA, come uh, March or April if they can maintain this momentum. So far they have. Mo Cedar has played well, and the goaltending has been all right. So it's just kind of a, yeah, they're pretty good. I'm not sold on if they're going to be great in a few years yet, but they're, they're putting along pretty well. So just one of those moods, if that makes sense.
1: No no doubt about it. Well, thank you very much all time for uh, having me here uh, on your uh, podcast right here. Uh, Definitely. uh, Like I said, just been an interesting uh, season all around. And, uh, you know, all I can just say right now, I mean, as we get closer to Thanksgiving to be thankful for, I'm just kind of glad the COVID-19 is, uh, so slowly starting to calm down, finding some work earlier this year, and uh, more importantly, just staying safe. But more importantly, too, it's good to see fans back and things kind of moderately under control right now uh, versus oh, like yes. a year ago. At this point, it's uh, I was glad to see sports, but I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, just watching from ghost towns at times because you know limited fan attendance, if not fan attendance at all, we had to hear pump stadium noise as opposed to real fans. Mm -hmm. big difference uh this season for all uh north american sports right now it's it's great to have it back those are things i'm thankful for i don't know about you
0: yeah absolutely definitely thankful that we are i've been able to continue this podcast through through COVID 19 and you know i'm glad that that COVID is starting to subside, and have, getting to go to a game and not necessarily having to wear a mask is, is always a great thing, too, depending on where you're at. So definitely And lastly, happy
1: uh, Veterans Day, too, all the veterans, all the troops. Thank you very much for joining us again. Put your mind, heart, and soul and your physical bodies on the line for us. Keep us uh, safe. And uh, one former Steeler, I want to pay a special shout-out, and always raving but Alejandro Villanueva, one of the most classiest guys right there. I'm not going to lie to you. I know he has
0: moments, so, but uh, he was a great character to have on that team. Uh, definitely He's the best in my book. Absolutely. And I wrote a column, actually, for the uh, Tribune, which I will uh, text you after the show. Uh, I wrote an open okay. letter to the veterans' um and you know, very thankful for what they have done. So, but we're not done just yet because we got some pick'ems. This is the most heralded segment right. on the Tom Green podcast. Reminded me.
1: Sorry about that. Don't, don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, as an aside, very quickly, I think Michigan does beat Penn State, uh, the sixth rank, sixth ranking, seventh ranking. I don't think it means all that much right now between Michigan and Michigan State, but nonetheless both teams in a way control their own destiny. Michigan State has to lose once for Michigan to play in the Big 10 title game. I think Michigan wins by 10 over Penn State on Saturday. So a quick little Penn State talk. Now we go over to the pickems. We have four college games, we got four NFL games, and it's totally okay if you do not know much about the college game. Pickems are sure. pickems. You never know if you're going to win. So always good to to have these pickems. So first one up, is a noon game from Waco, Texas, Oklahoma, and Baylor.
1: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give me uh, Oklahoma right now. They've been a uh, team right now who's been uh, very dangerously close, knocking on the door, uh into this uh, bowl appearances, but more importantly, uh, a very serious uh, player in the dance tournament right now. Uh, Oklahoma and uh, Baylor, go ahead and give me uh, Oklahoma. They got gone by uh, minus uh, five and a half. Uh, give me Oklahoma by like
0: uh two touchdowns to win this game. Sure thing. Uh, Pickems are straight up, but it's always a bonus if you can get you can get against a spread. I'll take Oklahoma in the points as well. Baylor is, I guess, a good not great team. Uh, Baylor. Baylor has pulled those upsets every now and again, but ever since Matt Rule left, I have had my doubts about the Baylor Bears.
1: In other words, if this was like a Pittsburgh Steelers, this would be like your version of a trap game, basically. What you're describing for them.
0: I would say so, yes. Uh give me Oklahoma nice. by two scores. Another trap game, possibly. Uh Purdue and Ohio State.
1: Ohio State. At the end of the day, no offense. I mean, I understand about uh Purdue, but at the end of the day, Ohio State, I mean, when it comes around this month, uh, they, they ain't screwing around right now. They're trying to get in the bowl contention as best possible, if not like a comparison for a national championship. Give me Ohio State, easily slam dunk.
0: Yeah, Purdue did play spoiler to Michigan State, and of course, we uh, a lot of Big Ten folks know Purdue as the spoiler makers, but when you go to Columbus, it's a totally different ball game, especially as a Michigan fan. I can tell you that firsthand. Ohio State. And all
1: You that, too. You also also better believe, too, before we move on real quick, both them and Michigan have got one loss right now. So you better believe right now both teams are tuning up before they have their big uh, matchup uh, towards the end of the year.
0: On the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And and that would be good to see, once again this year, Ohio State and Michigan, uh, which we haven't seen
1: last year. Mm -hmm.
0: So, yeah, give me Ohio State by uh, two touchdowns. Or yeah, two touchdowns. Twenty-seven to fourteen. Uh, at the end of the day, you're in Columbus, Ohio. State is simply going to win. Uh, Texas yeah. A&M and Ole Miss. Uh,
1: Texas A&M and Ole Miss. Uh, let's see here. Hold on.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, let's see. Texas A&M. Uh, go ahead. Uh, in this one. You know what? I'm going to call an upset on this one. Give me Ole uh, Mississippi right now. Uh, they'll win this game by a touchdown. They'll probably be late. I mean, they're pretty much close to evenly uh, ranked right now. Both seven and two teams right now. I uh, just have a feeling home cooking would be uh, good for Ole uh, Mississippi right now. Uh, they got them by three-point uh, favorites. I'll probably see like a touchdown. Those it will be a one-score uh, uh, lead if they win this game. So I'm calling upset on that one.
0: So you're calling it you're you're calling it for Ole Miss. Yes. I'm I'm a bit undecided on this one as AM has had some great victories as well as what the hell was that? Loss. Uh that's kind of just how Texas AM has played the past couple of years, and that what the hell loss has costed them uh the playoff in the last two seasons, as it probably will this year, unless something crazy happens, which this year has been crazy anyway, so who knows. Uh, give me a by three. NC State and Wake Forest to wrap up the college football part of our pick Let's
1: see. NC State and uh, Wake Forest right here? Yep. Give me Wake Forest on this one. Early. Yeah, give me Wake Forest in this game. I'll say by 10 points over North Carolina State.
0: Wake Forest is feeling the pressure of being a highly ranked team, they, and they ended up losing to North Carolina after, ha- after blowing a lead. They're going to be hungry in this one. They're at Winston-Salem at home. I'll take Wake Forest by three. It's going to be a close one, but I do think Wake Forest can pull this off and possibly really make some noise potentially for the college football playoff. So that's our four college games. we got four NFL games for you. A divisional rival against a conference rival for your Steelers, Cleveland and New England.
1: Uh, and this is going to be in New England. You know what? Uh, for right now, uh, this is going to be a very uh, close one. This going to be a barn burner in on this one. I mean, yeah, arguably right now Baker Mayfield uh, slowly proven to the world once again. Without Odell Beckham Jr. in the lineup, he seems to be playing his best football right now. And you got Mac Jones right now in Patriots. But for some reason, I, I think the Patriots are going to edge this one out. Uh, Bill Bell tried to still the mastermind when it comes to coaches. I know he's getting a lot of heat. Like last year, was his first year with uh, Tom Brady. Obviously, seems like forcing him out. But I'll tell you what right now. Any part of New England you play there where it's like the NBA, hockey, baseball, or especially the National Football League, those Boston uh fans in that area right there having an intimidating presence for anybody to come right there. And to be honest with you, I just feel like Bill Belichick, he's gonna outwit Stefanski right there. And you might might see Baker Mayfield get a pair of turnovers. Matt, I think Mac Jones right now, in my opinion, I think he's the best quarterback. Uh, passing wise, I was rookie draft class uh, this season. So give me the Patriots right there. Uh, they'll win this game by like uh, 10 points. I- I'm going to give it the Patriots over the Browns. I'm just not sure if the Browns are ready for the Patriots in that environment on the road right now. I mean, some other game after that, but not now. Yeah,
0: Patriots. the Browns are definitely yeah, a around question around. mark because they were supposed to, they were frankly supposed to win the AFC North, but. They have played far from an AFC North champion. That said, and they New-
1: pretty good, total told, with Tom Brady and the Bucs, too, on Sunday night. Let's not forget, too. I mean, that, that game could what either way. the way that game was going down the stretch. It went two for nail right there, but Ray
0: Fowler able to be, as we say, stupid beat deeper. Yeah, absolutely. I have went back and forth on this game. It's at New England. New England does play better as the season goes. Uh, moves forward but for some reason I think the Browns might steal this one for whatever reason I I frankly think the Browns will steal this one and perhaps even even with Detroit coming the week after that they might they might try to start to look ahead after this one after a victory. So I have Browns by three you have New England by three. it's gonna be close. That's why I picked the close lines. Uh, Philly and Denver.
1: And uh, this is going to be in Philadelphia or Denver? I think a chance to look. At Denver. At Denver. hmm. And uh, this game right now, uh, I will probably take, I'll probably have to go with the Broncos. I'm I'm more of a fan of Bridgewater than I am uh, Ramsey right now with the Eagles. Don't you know, get me wrong, the Eagles play uh, tough, great football themselves. They ain't afraid to go to toe wherever the environment's at. You know, the Eye of the Tiger, I means you follow that. I mean, uh, Rocky Blyer and all that stuff that follows them. But anytime any team plays in Denver, especially like Empower Field at Mile High right there, that environment is still tough for anybody for uh, environment, breathing conditions. I mean, ask a few of my Steelers players who went down there the last couple of years playing in that environment right there. You have one guy, I think Ryan Clark. Who had to like missed a game or two because of health reasons right there, in that area. But more particularly, I think it's the quarterback battle right there. Tay Bridgewater is a savvy uh, veteran right now. Glad to see him getting some second chances right now, and I think he'll uh, be the difference in that ball game as a quarterback right there. It's going to the Broncos.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Not a big believer in the Eagles. They kept it close against the Chargers, and of course, a of the Lions, but. Sometimes humble things need to happen to teams, and that's what's going to happen to the Eagles. Denver 31, Philly Philly 14. Kansas City and Las Vegas Sunday night football at Allegiant Stadium.
1: At Allegiant Stadium right there, you know what? I know the Raiders are uh, having some uh, good momentum, but at the same time, I must not lie, I think the Chiefs right now uh, are starting to feel some confidence right now. I got to believe the Chiefs will find a way to take care of business. I think they'll uh, find a way to steal that one. I mean, we'll probably see like a similar version of what happened uh, last year on Sunday Night like football when they were in Vegas right there. Saw his game layer on, his game went on. You saw the footwork of Patrick Mahomes. I know their defense has, like, not been, like, an uh, eyesore as of late. And a lot of people have been trying to figure out Patrick Mahomes right there. They've been, uh, like, like limiting some of his special splash plays. But at the end of the day right now, too, I think the Chiefs right now, people are still willing to give the benefit of the doubt. They'll find a way to go through that burst and be in the playoffs somehow. And to be honest, right now, they need to find a way to get a ticket in by uh, stealing that division right now. They got four losses, no room for error. Uh, give me uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, as the can see, Chiefs right now in Vegas in the primetime stage.
0: This is one of those games where I feel like most of the bookies and yours truly, and as well as yourself, are gonna are gonna bet the Chiefs. But then again, the Raiders are gonna somehow steal it. But for right now, I think the Chiefs are gonna win. Uh, the Chiefs have, definitely have the target on their back because they have four losses right now, and they absolutely need this game. And they're gonna stick stick around in the AFC West. So for some reason, I think the Raiders are gonna steal this. But I'm gonna pick the Chiefs simply because. The Chiefs need it, uh, twenty 37-27. No, nice. So uh, last one, we got Rams and Niners in San Francisco.
1: Give me the LA Rams, uh, this one right now. You need to keep pace with the Arizona Cardinals right there. I'm sure they want to wash that little stain they had on their face on uh, losing uh, last Sunday night uh, at home, uh, basically a, a week built to the Tennessee Titans right there. The same week they acquired Bob Miller too, uh, who wasn't available to play, uh, which they got from the Denver Broncos right now. This is a team who's willing to go all in right now. This is a classic rivalry. I mean, once again, it's two California uh, football teams as it was originally back in the day, even though they had a time where they are in St. Louis. But right now, LA, this is a, a season right now where it's like they need to get it done now. Or if not, they'll probably have one more season. And the clock is ticking right now. You got guys like an Aaron Dowd. You got Jalen Ramsey. You got Von Miller in here. I mean, he traded for Matt Stafford. I mean, the start of the new year basically. I mean, like go, going into the Super Bowl right here. Uh, Stafford, I still have my doubts. to Be honest, with you. But I mean, he's still got a good enough arm. Much better upgrade than Jared Goff as far as passing right now. And you got Cooper Cup is playing out of his mind right now. I, I, I got I got to believe right now, the Rams right now, I mean, Sean McVay has got, is going to find a way he keeps guys fired up. I mean, you, like I said, just like with the Chiefs, no room for error. I expect the Rams to handle business right here and not, uh, not screw around with 49ers in San Francisco. Or Santa Clara, I should say.
0: Right. Um, right now, the Niners are still, or excuse me, the Rams are still only a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and frankly, I do not know why. They just signed Odell Beckham Jr., and it's it's who knows if he'll be able to play on Monday night. But nonetheless, Good point.
1: I forgot to even bring that up too. By the way, thanks for uh, reminding me yeah. of that. Let oh, that one slip
0: so Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I actually grabbed this line twice because I'm like, I don't want this to move to like five or six or seven, and the Rams somehow not cover. So I grabbed this line twice, and I think the Rams are going to win by. 10 10 to 14. Uh yes, it's a divisional game and it's going to be close, but at the end I think the Rams pull away and let's not forget like you had said, the Rams are the Rams right now might not even win the division, let alone make a Super Bowl, but let, but like we but like we saw, the Bucks did not win their division, but they won the Super Bowl. So you don't necessarily have to win the division to win the Super Bowl, but it makes it a lot tougher. If if you need don't win the division, so the Rams are well, well, right now. Too, win the I mean,
1: division. after San Francisco, they got to go on their bye. I mean, guess where they got to go up next? They got to play in Lambeau Field. What way to like uh, come fresh off your bye week? I mean, if you happen to somehow lose this game, got to go in Lambeau Field, late afternoon game. I expect the temperatures to drop a little bit. But I mean, other than that, I mean, you got at least like uh, coming up right now. You got at least uh Three more uh, playoff teams down the stretch right now, in the form of the Packers, of Seahawks and Ravens right now, and uh,
0: yeah, not 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 gonna be easy, but tightrope definitely the walk indeed. Absolutely. So, Rams thirty-one, Niners seventeen. I think it's gonna be close, but the Rams pull away at the 120 end. Twenty Rams. So, gotcha. So. Well, that said, that is the end of our pick-ems. And, uh, and, again, yeah, you pretty much had said it, but it's uh, good to have you back on the show and glad to get your Steelers' advice. Absolutely. So anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? No, I
1: mean, that's about it. I mean, like I said, for me, i just been doing a little bit like more weekly as opposed to a not know. said, man, just just thankful for, like I said, once again, the virus right there. Uh, just thank for everything you guys uh, do for us right now, uh, the continual sacrifices right now, and especially what happened a couple months ago where some of the poor uh, troops got abandoned right there when buying the side of the pole, people out overseas right there. And uh, prayers, uh, love, hugs, and deep thoughts for the people who got left behind, but for the people who are fortunate to come out of there alive Uh, hearts with them first and foremost but like I said outside of that man, glad to be working but as as a sports fan, glad to see life sports uh, happening around that and you better darn sure believe I mean our veterans are also a help and a contribution to that. I mean aside from like uh, COVID right there so I'm I'm just glad to see it coming down. Hopefully this whole uh, mask mandates uh, could be uh, lifted on a regular basis and we just keep around for the new norm where It's needed, like, when he gets severely sick, and hopefully that doesn't happen too often right now.
0: Absolutely. We hope for normalcy, and we hope for normalcy soon. Definitely great thanks to our veterans. He is Charles Ritchie from the Men of Steel podcast, and this has been the Tom Green podcast.